feel like it's it's a new beginning. I feel like it's a new start, and I feel like it's it's time to get going again, all over again. So, I think that uh, all the hard work, all the attention to detail, has been amazing. No chance to this time as Gary returns to the field and has a sack of Russell Wilson. Uh, with, with the amount of time, I mean, we literally probably 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day. You know, we're working on 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 his hands, just trying to. To, to break records with this thing because, you know, it's a pretty, it was a pretty severe injury. And going for it all is Wilson. End zone, interception. Amos comes away with it. He looked at me and said, get the job done, finish it off. You know, that's like my big brother on this team. You know, I love him to death. You know, for him to, you know, like I said, believe in me, that trust um, was great. And we got it done as a team. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Wow. 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 Great weekend of football. You know, it's just fun to watch an offense click on all levels. It's fun to watch an offense put it together and a quarterback playing really well in an offensive line in sync in the running game, explosive in the defense, fantastic. And it's just so much fun to watch an offense put up a bunch of points at home and cover the spread and just be dominating. I love watching good offensive football, and I'm so jacked that we got to do that this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about the Badgers because, of course, we had two football teams in the state, and, of course, the one that played good offense this weekend is the one that could barely score a touchdown in week one. Yeah, the Badgers offense put up 35 on Northwestern, covered the spread. I didn't expect that. The spread was 24 and a half. I wouldn't have bet my, I wouldn't have bet a dollar on that. And of course, it's Graham Mertz and Braylon Allen and the Badgers who play really good offense this weekend. Packers, not so much. And the more that I think about it since yesterday's game, I'm not mad. I'm not upset at Rodgers and the Packers offense because I, I think if we talk about the Packers offense and Rodgers... We're missing the point of yesterday's Packer game. So we're not going to dwell on that. And we're not going to start with the Badgers. But I, I feel like we got to mention them from the jump here. They have really put together a string of good wins. Really, ever since we started previewing the Badger games with Zach Heilprin and Ben Kenny on Fridays, they haven't lost. Now, I'm not saying we have anything to do with it, but causation isn't always linked to correlation. Is that it? Correlation doesn't equal causation. But there's no way to prove it doesn't. So we're not going to start with the Badgers. We're going to get to them in a little bit, but I thought we should give them props right off the bat. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an outstanding weekend between the Badgers and the Packers. That shouldn't have been hard. And if you're a Vikings fan, you as well. That's a tough earned win against the Chargers on the road. If you're a Bears fan, you don't have to deal with anything. So we're all coming out ahead after this weekend. And the Monday night game tonight should be pretty fun. We get to see if OBJ actually does something after joining the Rams, spurring the Packers last week. Never wanted him in the first place, right? I was saying that from the saying that from the start. It's a fun weekend of sports. I'm excited to break it down for the next two hours. No guests tonight. Nobody. No Ebo, no Zach Heilprin, no Mike Clemens, no Ben Kenny, no Bart Winkler, no Eric Eager. Nobody. It's just you and me. That means there's a lot of space for us to go back and forth and talk about these games. And I think... On Mondays, that's probably how we should do it moving forward. Because when we're reacting to a Packer game and reacting to a Badger game, I want all the space in the world to hear from you and be able to talk about it. Now, as the weekend, or the week rather, rolls along, 
and maybe I want an expert to dig a little deeper into this or that. But today we're reacting, and I feel like we should be fans when we do that. So I'd love to hear from you at some point today. Give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me and follow me at Wisco Grant. Like I said, I want to get to the Badgers in a bit because they're worth talking about. It's been a while since we've talked about the Badgers on a Monday. Normally it's all Packers, but I feel like we should talk about the Badgers. That's coming up in a half hour. Let's start with the Packers who beat the Seahawks yesterday 17-0 at Lambeau Field. I'm going to say it from the jump. I'm not even, even going to build up to it dramatically. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to come out and say it. Both quarterbacks were terrible yesterday. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers was bad. Russ was slightly worse. The point is they were both bad. Now, both had an excuse. Rodgers just went through a bout of COVID-19. That's not insignificant. We've become used to COVID. It's become a reality for us, which is a bummer because I don't think it has to be that way. But let's not get, let's not get political. We've gotten used to it. Someone gets COVID, ah, they're back in, you know, we be back at work. Well, there's some physical things, and it affects everybody differently. So Rodgers, after the game yesterday, said he's feeling a little bit tired. Who knows? He probably wasn't going to sit there and talk about how his body feels, you know, for 35 minutes. But he had an excuse. He missed a week and a half of practice, missed last week's game. His rhythm was upset. That's a solid excuse. Russell Wilson just returned from a broken finger. And according to him, which I'm sure he didn't exaggerate at all because he would never lie about anything. He's a man of God. Uh, He barely slept for a month when he was rehabbing because he worked on his finger 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day. That's how severe this injury was. So he's probably sleep deprived. Rodgers is out of rhythm as well. Both quarterbacks were very, very bad. And that's okay to admit. Packers fans, we don't need to be defensive about that. Rodgers was bad yesterday. And that's okay. Because he had an excuse. Russell Wilson had an excuse. But yesterday's game wasn't about the quarterbacks. Which is why I don't want to dwell on it. That's okay. We can admit that the quarterbacks are bad. We can move on. Because that's not the point. The point yesterday was everyone else. Defense, special teams, coaching. I certainly think the game being played at Lambeau made a big difference. And then the snow falling, it was like something out of a movie. Even if it was just little flurries, it just made for an amazing scene. Especially because now that Daylight Savings has kicked in, the 3.30 game, it gets dark towards the end and you can see the snow under the lights. It's great. So between the defense, special teams, coaching, and certainly home field advantage for Green Bay, Lambeau Field... Uh, hasn't been too kind to Russ. He's 0-5 there in his career now. It was about everything else. Yesterday wasn't about the quarterbacks. Even the best quarterbacks in the world, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. I, You know that I take my shots at Russell Wilson, but he is excellent as well. Even the best quarterbacks in the league, they're not going to be otherworldly every week. They're not going to be capable of carrying and uplifting everyone else on the roster and the coaching staff every week. Now, think back to 2016. Aaron Rodgers went on that run. They ran the table. He carried everybody. He can't do that every week his entire career. They're going to be down moments. They're going to be down moments for Brady, who lost to the football team yesterday. And Taylor Heineke, there will be down moments for Russ. Yesterday was certainly a down moment. There'll be down moments for Mahomes, and we've seen that, right? Dak Prescott, who I really like. And it sucks because I'm supposed to hate the Cowboys, but I kind of like Dak. I kind of love I want to see Mike McCarthy win. This is very, very conflicting for me, right? Every star quarterback has their bad week. Yesterday, both star quarterbacks had bad weeks. So now we look at the defense, the coaching, the special teams. Yesterday's game is a shimmering, shining example of the differences between Seattle, the organization, and Green Bay, the organization. Let's start with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson completes 50% of his passes, 20 for 40, only 161 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks, could have been three. His passer rating, for what it's worth, 
It's not the most useful stat, but it's something to reference. His passer rating yesterday of 39.7 was the fourth worst passer rating of his career. Yesterday, statistically, was one of Russ's worst games ever since he came into the league. So when he plays that way, the onus now is put on Pete Carroll. Let's uplift your quarterback. Give him some help. Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator. Let's, let's scheme something up. Let's help him out. The, the wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, step up. The running game, the defense. Obviously, nobody did that for Seattle yesterday. Let's look at Pete Carroll. Bad fourth down decisions. First drive of the game. Fourth and one on their own 41-yard line on the road. They're three and five. Yesterday was not a game Seattle could afford to lose. Pete Carroll punts that ball. They were inches from a first down. He punts that ball. I didn't think that was a good choice. Fourth and four later in the game on Green Bay's 45. They punt it. I didn't think that was a good choice. He challenged a play over a clear recovery, which is always a death trap because you can't overturn those things. It's a judgment call on the field, and once there's a pig pile, there's no there's no untangling that via replay. By the way, the interception in the end zone with Kevin King going Green Bay's way and the clear recovery with Aaron Rodgers going Green Bay's way, good. I hope officials damn Seattle to hell for the next 50 years after what happened in 2013. They deserve it, and I don't feel an ounce of remorse for Seahawks fans or anyone on that coaching staff or on that roster. Good. Good. I'm glad it went down that way yesterday. Now, I give Pete Carroll credit. He didn't overrun the football. Alex Collins had 10 carries. Travis Homer had one. That was it. I think running over and over and over again, I think it was useless yesterday, especially without Chris Carson. That running back group, as we move off of Pete Carroll and we talk more about Seattle big picture here, that running back group is an indictment on the front office of Seattle and the way they've conducted business over the last four or five years. Chris Carson is their best running back, and he is very good, very physical. He was a seventh-round pick. He's really their only guy. In 2018, they took Rashawn Penny in the first round. And everyone was like, huh? Why? DJ Dallas, another running back in the 2024th round. Alex Collins, who was their lead back yesterday, was a fifth-round pick of theirs in 2016. They waived him. They didn't even keep him on the roster. He goes to Baltimore and then eventually comes back. They've missed on some picks, and all GMs miss on picks. Drafting is mostly luck. It's about having a good process, a good ideology, and then... Hoping you get lucky because you're not going to nail every draft pick. It's a very inexact science. But Seattle has also traded pick after pick after pick. And it's one thing if you're the Rams and you're clear with what you're doing. We're going to trade for high-level players to try to win now. They traded two firsts and a third for Jamal Adams. When was the last time a safety even went in the first round? Like Darnell Savage went 24. That's an outlier. Derwin James went really high. That's the last time a safety, a superstar safety, went in the draft. They gave up two firsts. And a fourth for Jamal Adams, who people call Blitz Boy, because that's all he does. They gave up a seventh rounder for Carlos Dunlap when the Packers were like, you know what, we're just going to pick up Snacks Harrison off the snack heap, the snack heap. <laughs> pick him off the scrap heap. They gave a fifth rounder for Gabe Jackson, sixth rounder for a tight end named Steven Sullivan, who I never even heard of until I started doing some research today. He's not even on the team. Seattle. From a coaching perspective, a decision-making perspective, an offensive philosophy perspective, or a talent acquisition perspective, whether it be drafting or trades or free agents, they just don't do very many things well outside of Russell Wilson. And you might have your bones with the Packers, with Mark Murphy, or with Goody, or with LaFleur, or with whatever defensive coordinator, or the laundry list of special teams guys that they've had over the last decade. You might have your qualms with them. But the Packers, on the other hand, yesterday, when their quarterback did not play well, They had a nice supporting cast. 
they had a lot go well yesterday, especially if you take out Mason Crosby's missed field goal, which I know exists. But big picture through the full four quarters, everything around Aaron Rodgers operated very, very well. That defense. That was the first time Seattle's been shut out in 10 years. Really, throughout the entire Russell Wilson era, they've never been shut out. Even through games of backups. Geno Smith. Geno Smith put up points. Yesterday, Packers shut him out. That's six straight shutout quarters for the Packers' defense. And earlier this year, we've talked about the Packers' defense. It's like they look like they're putting it together, and they're building week by week, and the identity is getting stronger, and they're becoming more confident, right? Even though they're suffering injuries, which didn't really make sense, but that it's good for Joe Barry, right? They seem to have more of an idea and identity every week, and they're getting better. Well, that was against Taylor Heineke and Justin Fields, who's a rookie, and Ben Worthlessberger, who can't throw the ball more than six or seven yards on the field. Now, for the last month or so, they've done it against Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, who are three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And they've been dominant the last three weeks. Saved this tweet from Field Yates, NFL Network, yesterday. The Packers defense has faced Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson over the past three weeks. Their combined stats, here we go, 62 of 110, that's 56.3% completion percentage, 601 yards, one total touchdown, and four interceptions. There was some good variance in there. Interceptions in the end zone will always make the defensive stats, especially the scoring stats, look better. But they're getting off the field. They're playing with confidence. Rashawn Gary has finally gotten some good luck with sacks. And that's what we talked about earlier this year, right? We're going to talk more about Rashawn Gary in a couple of minutes. The pressures were there. The process was there. We're just waiting for the hits. We're waiting for the splash plays to come. The pendulum has swum back to Rashawn Gary, and he's getting home to the quarterback now, and it's great. They're harassing quarterbacks. The secondary is playing fast and physical. They're playing confident. Talked about this with Darnell Savage on Friday. Because everyone knows where they're supposed to be, and everyone knows the identity and the mission of this defense, and, and everyone has their mind wrapped around it, well, all that's left to do is play football. And when you only have to play football, you can run faster, hit harder, jump higher, because there's less noise in your brain to worry about. Right? When I come in and do the show and I feel prepared and I feel like I got everything planned and mapped out and I know what I want to talk about, well, then I can just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show because I'm not scrambling in the back of my mind as I'm talking about one thing, trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about next. Football's the same way. Playing music is the same way. If you've practiced a song a million times on piano or guitar or violin or saxophone and you know it so well, then playing it is so much more fun. Because you can sit there and actually play and smile and interact with the crowd and enjoy the music. And you're not scrambling in your head to remember which notes next. Is my finger go here or here? Football's the same way. Darnell Savage last week talked. Everyone gets their assignment. Everyone's handling their responsibility. So you just got to run around, hit hard, catch interceptions, force fumbles, tackle. They look like they're flying around as a unit confidently. Even though they're suffering more injuries. And we got some great news today. Aaron Jones, it looks like just an MCL sprain. Could only be a couple of weeks. That's great, especially with their bye coming up. Rashawn Gary, it doesn't seem like there's any ligament damage or anything like that. Knock on wood as I say it. He has an MRI tomorrow. Hopefully it's just a dislocation or a strain. He might even play this weekend, he says. Man's a monster. So they avoided a couple of big injuries. Whitney Merciless seems like that. That might have been bad. But this roster, even fighting through injuries, is so resilient they just keep chugging along. And Matt LaFleur talked about that 
after the game yesterday, how this team is actually applying that next man up thing, and they're doing it really, really well. It's everybody buying in, owning their role, doing their 111th, and those guys have done that, and that's a credit to the to the men in that room and uh, the way they prepare, and it seems like when, you know, we do lose somebody, somebody's right there to step up and plug that hole. I think Goody's done a great job of bringing in people to be able to step in, and so there's not a drop-off. 608-796-2558. Josh in Sparta says the one-year prove-it deal with Kevin King is working out too. Josh, you son of a gun, because that's what I want to talk about coming up next. Two players that I think are on a similar trajectory this season. They play different positions, their storylines, their backstory, their perception is very different, but they've enjoyed similar success in a similar way the last couple of weeks. One is Kevin King, one is Rashawn Gary, and I want to talk about them both coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a swell weekend. We're going to talk about the Badgers coming up in about 15 minutes because they deserve it. They've won six in a row. And they actually played a lot better offense than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did yesterday, which blows my mind considering where we were two months ago when they were struggling to score from the two-yard line against Penn State, who now might not even be in the top 25. I know they fell out. Maybe they went back in. I apologize. I'll admit I don't have the entire top 25 of the college football playoff committed to memory. No. I know the 10th men on the the bench of the Sacramento Kings, uh, college football rankings, down to every little detail. No. I do not. So we're going to talk Badgers in a few minutes. Right now we're talking Packers. You're welcome to join 608-796-2558. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, this is Mike. Mike, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, man? I uh, just want to say I love the show. I uh, love listening to it, man. You have great insights. And, uh, yeah, let's talk some Packers. Uh, I was actually at the game yesterday. Um, and I really just want to talk about A.J. Dillon for a second. I mean, yeah. the way he came in after that injury – um, and that absolutely amazing screen pass that he had. He fought off like three blockers, and I was sitting right there. Um, it was just amazing to watch him kind of – these last several games, watch him kind of come into his own and, and, and not have these, you know, fumble issues that he had. And um, just – I think he's playing really, really well. He is. I think what a lot of people don't know about A.J. Dillon, and I didn't know until somebody told me. I don't remember who it was. And maybe you saw this firsthand, and this jumps out to you. He's actually really fast. His 40 time at the combine was faster than Aaron Jones. So as big and as physical Absolutely. as he is, once he got cooking down the sideline, I mean, you saw it in person. That man can run. Well, he can run, absolutely, but his quads um, are <laughs> the size of a semi. Yeah. And the guy can just fight off tackles like you just wouldn't believe. I mean, just seeing it in person, it just blows your mind. Um, so, yeah, just uh, – amazing performance by him yesterday the defense reminds me of the Super Bowl defense that we had um I think it's the best defense since that year Mm -hmm. um and it's just incredible thing to watch uh one more thing just the atmosphere yesterday at Lambeau yeah um it was snowing uh the people there were just jacked up for Aaron Rodgers to be back um Aaron was definitely emotional walking into the tunnel it was a really fun thing to be a part of and watch so there were no boos for Rodgers because he got asked about that after the game and I thought that was I don't know I I get the media has to ask about everything and they want to cover the story from all angles but 
you know, you win a game like that, and the story's the defense and A.J. Dillon and all these things, and you're like, Rodgers, did you expect to be booed? I like, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. I don't know. But there, there was nothing like that. No, definitely not. Uh, I mean, I was I was right there in the corner okay. um, by the tunnel, and no, it's just nothing but love for Aaron. And I think that I think that a big thing, you know, is people were asking so much about this COVID issue. Hey, does he still have the locker room? Yeah. You know, and I, I really – I think he does. I, I think that he's got – he Green Bay loves him uh, regardless. And, and, you know, he's he's quirky. He is who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got Green Bay. He's got the locker room. He's got so much love for that locker room and the players. And I think they love him just as well. And, and let's be honest. What do you – I mean, if you don't have the quarterback right, you're not going to do anything right. And we all clearly know that love is uh, – is not the answer at this point. So uh, let's sit down, uh, break some bread, and re-sign a contract with Aaron Rodgers. Wow, now that's a take. That's something we'll have to talk about as the week goes on. And, Mike, I appreciate you and your insight from the game. May I ask, is it an invasion of privacy to ask where you're calling from so when I write down your name here? Mike is a very common name. We have a couple of Mikes, uh, and I want to be yeah. able, if you call or text back, I want to be able to shout you out. Yeah, no worries, man. I, uh, I'm calling from down. I live in downtown Madison. So. Beautiful downtown Madison, Mike. Okay, that's very specific. Thank you, Mike. Call again. Yeah, man. Going to the Badgers game uh, this coming week, too. I am excited to hear what you have to say about them. So have a good one, man. Yeah, you as well. That's Mike in downtown Madison. I'll write that down. We have a couple of Mikes. Mad Mike is pissed. <laughs> There's another Madison Mike. I appreciate the call. Thank you. It's something that jumps off the screen, right? I didn't even mention A.J. Dillon to start the show. That's something we got to talk more about the way in which he stepped in after Jones went down. It really sucks now that Kylan Hill isn't available. I really like Kylan Hill. This, this is this is why they drafted Kylan Hill, because they like the deep backfield, they like options, and it's probably a safe assumption to make going into a season, even if you love your two running backs, that one might miss a little time. Luckily, it sounds like Jones is only going to miss a little bit of time. I wish Kylan Hill was healthy. That really sucks. A.J. Dillon, fast, huge, strong, yes, something we certainly want to talk more about. Before we get into the Badgers here in a few minutes, I do want to talk about two Packers players because you know I love categorizing things. I like putting things into boxes, whether it's players or games. I like watching a game and saying, oh, that one reminds me of this game in 2014. It kind of followed the same script, the same ups and downs, right? Or even categorizing seasons. And we've talked about this before. You know me. Two Packers defensive players that I think kind of fall in the same box right now, and they pair really nicely. Rashawn Gary and Kevin King. Kevin King has played really well especially recently. And for the whole season, Rashawn Gary has two. And at times, I brought up Rashawn Gary on the show, and I'm like, look, everybody, let's let's be realistic about this. Let's have an honest Rashawn Gary conversation. He looks really, really good, but he should look really good. He's a top 15 pick, so we need to watch him through that lens because when it comes time, if they have to extend him, he's going to be paid like a top edge rusher in the league. So when we watch Rashawn Gary, I'm thinking of Miles Garrett. I'm thinking of a healthy Daniil Hunter or Von Miller when he's healthy. Obviously, you get my point. I'm thinking of the best edge rushers in the league. I'm like, does this guy stack up? Because that's his class. That's the category of people we're going to judge him as. And for most of the season, the pressures were there. The, the right process was there. We're just waiting for the sacks. And recently, the stacks started coming. And I don't think that's a change that Rashawn Gary made. I just think it's a little luck. Right? You can do the right things. You can pressure the quarterback. And some weeks you're going to go without sacks, and some weeks you're going to have them. In the last couple weeks, he's been making splash play after splash play, and it seems like he avoided a massive injury with his elbow, which is awesome. Kevin King, likewise, has been playing really, really good football. But up until these last two weeks, 
we have focused on the one bad play a game because we didn't have the one outstanding play to reference. The last two weeks, he has an interception, or last week he dropped an interception. That was great. This week, he made that catch in the end zone in Kevin King style. He had to at least almost drop it, right? Of course, right? We noticed the bad plays. We noticed the bad things that Kevin King might do once a game. The story is, though, the rest of the game, he's been really, really good. Did you know, and I didn't before today, so I think you'd be in the majority. He's actually Pro Football Focus's highest rated cornerback since week five. What? Like, he missed a couple of games. And those numbers are probably judged differently because he moves around and he's probably not asked to do the same things as number one elite type corners. And that's where the grading can get a little bit out of whack. But that's a good starting point. It's like, wait, actually, his numbers are really good. He's grading really, really highly. And sometimes that goes over our head because Kevin King, in kind of a way, is is a meme. He's the dude who got cooked by Scotty Miller in the NFC title game. He's the guy who jumped way too early on that pass to Mike Evans. And ever since then, I think that's all we're going to remember him for, at least until the Packers do something amazing or he makes an amazing play. And he's got almost interceptions or interceptions in the last two weeks. He's been playing great. And Rashawn Gary, who's had great process, been a great player, but some people like me are like, well, wait, yes, but I want to, I want to see that next level. I want to see him get home. I want to see him force fumbles. I want to see him be what he was drafted to be and what we all hope he can be, which is that number one edge rusher that you can anchor your pass rush around. He looks like that guy. I think it's sometimes been labeled like a Rashawn Gary hater, which is maybe fair because I'm the one guy when everyone else is celebrating Rashawn Gary to come in and say, well, wait a minute. But sorry, sometimes I got to be that guy. I don't relish it. Well, I relish it with players on other teams. I relish it when we do it with Russell Wilson or Tom Brady or other quarterbacks or players on other teams. I don't relish it when I have to do it for some of our players, but when we watch Rashawn Gary, that's who we need to think of. We need to think of who his contemporaries will be, the play, the the pay class that he will be in, and the players that he'll be compared to. And the last couple of weeks, especially, he's stacking up. Absolutely. The man is just wreaking havoc, and I'm really glad he seemed, knock on wood, that that's confirmed in the MRI that he's getting tomorrow, that he avoided massive, catastrophic injury to that elbow. That looked painful. I had a buddy in high school who's still a buddy, who played football, and I can't remember if he broke his elbow or he dislocated it, and he said it was the most painful thing. Just st- imagine my elbow, and I got really weak arms, so I'm feeling my elbow right now. I was like, Yeesh, that would sting. I think it probably hurt. We saw him on the field rolling around. Hopefully just a stretch, a strain, a dislocation, and there's nothing that needs to be surgically repaired and rehabbed for a year. That looks to be the case with Sean Gary, who's just playing like a freak, and they need him, especially without uh, Jonathan Garvin. Who got hurt, Chauncey Rivers or Jonathan Garvin? It might have been Garvin. And, of course, Zadaria Smith, who's out as well. I'll still take your text on the Packers. Absolutely. We're going to talk more about them. But I do want to talk about the Badgers because they deserve it for the next 10 minutes. Because what the hell? They're actually playing really good. Let's talk about them coming up next. Wisconsin Badgers handling Northwestern, which isn't always a given. We'll do that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for being here. 608-796-2558. This is outstanding. Both ends of lacrosse are representing Schmidt on the north side. Says, rumor has it that your back injury is much more severe than finger boy's injury. (laughs) 
just word on the street over here on the north side. Yeah, I messed up my back on Saturday night. I posted, by the way, there's a video of it previewing the show on Twitter. I played a gig for a couple of hours on Saturday night at uh, the Popcorn on 4th Street. And my back, my back still hurts. And the chair in the studio that I sit on is missing a wheel, which is making it worse. But hey, trials and tribulations... Adversity, things that Russell Wilson thrives on, and damn it, I'm going to thrive on too. Thank you, Schmidt, on the north side. Southside Geo, this is uncanny, says that Kevin King, top five corner since week five, give me a break. That's why PFF is a joke. PFF grades are one thing. The grades are the one thing, mostly because I don't understand how they how they put them together. The grades are the one thing that I look at, and I'm like, hmm, okay, but I don't really think about that much more. For PFF data... Things that I really like, average depth of target, pressures, air yards per attempt, yards run per route. Things that I can't find for free on the ESPN box score, which can be really helpful, which can add some color to a game uh, past surface level. With the grades, right, Kevin King missed a couple of games since week five. So he has a smaller sample with which to have to perform really well to keep a high grade. He also isn't asked to do the same things that other high-level corners are, and the matchups of the last couple of weeks for him might be easier than others. I'm not claiming that Kevin King is the best corner in the league or has even been the best corner since week five. I use that number as an example to say, hey, Kevin King's playing really good football. It doesn't mean he's as good as Jalen Ramsey. It doesn't mean that he's been as good as other guys since week five, but he's been really good. That's about as far as I'm going to go with PFF grades. Uh, mostly because I don't know how they put them together. So I don't really feel comfortable about talking about the merit because I'm not smart enough. I don't know what goes into those whack equations. Thank you for the text. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. Follow me there. By the way, I posted a little video explaining my back injury. I know it's enthralling stuff, as I'm sure Schmidt on the north side found. I want to talk about the Badgers for a couple of minutes. For the last two months, I don't know that we've touched the Badgers until Tuesday or Wednesday. And some weeks we haven't gotten to them until Friday. Because by the time we get to Friday, we've talked about the Badger game, talked about Monday night, talked about the Bucks. It's like, okay, what haven't we touched this week? Oh yeah, Badgers, tomorrow. They're playing this team. Let's talk to Zach. Let's talk to Ben. Let's talk to someone in Madison and get ready for the college slate tomorrow. And typically I like someone with me to help me. And I'll admit, college basketball, or excuse me, college football is not my wheelhouse. I don't think college basketball is my wheelhouse either. But I'm going to try harder this winter. I'm going to try harder, especially with the Big Ten, to be a little bit better on college basketball so I can speak on it a little bit more. But college football is not my wheelhouse, so typically I like to have a guest. But this Badgers team, I'm still confused that the Badgers offense looks so much better than the Packers, and I think a big part of that is Aaron Rodgers missed a week and a half of practice and was probably a little bit sluggish and sloppy and drowsy. I don't know. I haven't had COVID, thankfully, at least not that I know of. Maybe I had it, and my body's just so superior that I didn't even know. Um, Badgers, since losing back-to-back games to Notre Dame and Michigan and looking bad, they've won six in a row. And the six-game winning streak started with a rather underwhelming win over Army. I was at that game. It was fun. I was with my sister, my mom, my dad, my brother. You just sing the songs, do the chants, write college football. And the atmosphere of college football is really fun, but the game itself was rather underwhelming. It was a one-score game against Service Academy in the fourth quarter, but as I've been told by people much smarter about college football than me, right, Army is weird. They do these weird things, so expecting them to be perfectly prepared and to have this amazing game plan for this one specific opponent in the middle of the season, it's probably unrealistic. And those people who lectured me know more than me, and they were probably right. I'll also say, looking back, Maybe a classy gesture from the Badgers, respecting the troops as much as possible. Like, yeah, 
we got to beat up on army, but, you know, respect the troops. Uh, we don't want to make it look any worse than it needs to be. Maybe that was, I doubt it, but I don't know. Who knows? Since the army game, I contend that they've been a little bit more impressive week by week by week. Get one, one win. Oh, okay, sure. Right, you got my attention. Then they win again. It's like, oh, a little bit better yet. And they've just take a, taken a step of improvement week by week by week. And we can outline that here in a second. First, David is on the line. David, what's up? Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you. Just got to point out the Achilles heel of this Badger team. Yeah. And that is no backup quarterback, no backup running back. Mm. You know, Ohio State's fifth-string running back would be a stud. And Badgers running backs are all gone, and I don't see a quarterback behind our starter. You don't like Chase Wolf? Not part of the Wolf Pack? At two key positions. Yeah. No, I'm with you about Braylon Allen. Julius Davis. I just, I hear that they don't really love him or he didn't make the most of camp or early on in the season like they just weren't all in on him is that kind of the story I guess I don't know much about Julius Davis don't know either he was highly recruited yeah the issue now is they were trying to bring him into the game they tried to bring in the next string guy in the game and each of them fumbled yeah whether that was on them or the quarterback I wasn't 100 percent sure but it just it highlights the issue and uh, you know, going down the stretch, getting ready for that Big Ten title game when we get a chance to play Ohio State and prove how good we really are. Yeah. God, I, I don't want to see us in that game. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> you just rather you just rather avoid it? I do and I don't. You yeah. know, it's, it can be humiliating. Yeah, it can. I not. I mean, I don't know if Ohio State, I don't think that defense is as good as normal. They got a young quarterback, but then again, like Cardale Jones smoked us for like 60 points, so... <laughs> That doesn't mean much. And we didn't score any, did we? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I try to block those games out of my mind. I, I appreciate this bit of perspective, especially about running back, because that's actually something I want to talk about, David. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Professional. Professional as always. Braylon Allen has gotten a little bit better every week, right? You think back to the Purdue game, right? That's when the Badgers, I think, kind of, planted their feet and said, okay, from this point forward, we know what we are, we know what we do, and we're getting a little bit better at it every six or every seven days, right? That that Purdue game, remember? They controlled the rush of George Karloftis. They controlled the deep passing game of Purdue. The defense, I think, kind of wrapped their arms around that game and said, okay, we know what we can do. We know what we got. And then the offense, we can run the ball. Graham Mertz isn't a total meltdown. And then they go into Iowa, or more importantly, I guess, more realistically, Iowa comes to Camp Randall. Right, and the defense played even better that week. But then also, Mertz had like a really good half, which is about as much as we can ask of him at that point. The total in that game was 36, and Wisconsin just by themselves put up 27 against a team that was at one point a top five team in the country. And yes, Iowa was living off turnover luck, and then that dried up against Wisconsin, and Wisconsin had him at home. So we're looking, all right, show me more. Well, the last two weeks, they've absolutely beaten the brakes off of Rutgers and Northwestern, and they've only allowed 10 points. They were supposed to be Rutgers and Northwestern. I get it, but Badgers fans, you're smart. You've been alive for long enough. We've seen how things can go pear-shaped against Northwestern, even if it's a win, you know, 17-10 to 10 or 21-17. to 17. There was no doubt on Saturday, right from the jump. 
They just ran the ball. They marched up and down the field, and Northwestern's run defense is really poor. But against Rutgers, they left no doubt either. And if you're going to play against Big Ten teams that aren't up to snuff, that aren't top-tier teams, then you need to win convincingly, and they have. Right? And I don't even think it's because Graham Mertz has gotten significantly better. I think everything else around him has steadied. That offensive line early in the season, running through all these different combinations, trying different guys at different spots, and Wisconsin just isn't accustomed to that. They're not used to that. The same way the Packers fans aren't used to watching a quarterback is not Aaron Rodgers. So when we have to do it, we don't know what we're doing. We're freaking out. It's like, I don't know. Is he good? Is he terrible? Is he the future? Or is he garbage? I don't, we're not used to this. We're not cut out for this. Right? It's like someone from Arizona who's lived there their whole life coming to live in Wisconsin for a winter. They've never owned a jacket. And they don't know how to do things. They don't know how to drive. Wisconsin isn't used to playing and conducting offense with an unstable offensive line. And I think that showed earlier in the year, but since it's steady, they figured it out. Stability at that position is really important, and now they have it. And Braylon Allen, actually, uh, it turns out this, this Wisconsin running game, their offense, is better with a star running back. And David says every running back is a star on this team. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think any running back can be okay. I don't know that any running back can be that. I saw an on this day you know, a Big Ten network on Twitter tweeted it out when Melvin Gordon ran for 408. I don't think any running back can come in and do that. I think Wisconsin has had some great luck, some great recruiting, but also put these guys in great situations. Braylon Allen is that guy. He's a stud. And also, I saw a lot of this on Twitter. For those of you who are annoyed by how often the announcers mention the age of Braylon Allen, who's 17, if you're annoyed by that, get bent, okay? That's incredible. Being Barry Alvarez's grandson, that's one thing. I get it. But pummeling Big Ten defenses before you're able to buy cigarettes, that's another thing. That's mind-blowing. Although, I don't... Don't you have to be 21 to buy cigarettes now? Biden's America. It's terrible. It's terrible. He is a superstar. And it's worth mentioning that he's 17. Because that's insane. I don't even remember what I was doing at age 17, but it wasn't that. Another thing offensively that I think has made a huge difference... This is an eye test thing. I don't even think the numbers back it up because I'm pretty sure I tried to bring this up with Zach on Friday and he's like, well, no, actually, you're wrong. It's this or that, but whatever. Screw the stats. When I watch a Badger game and when I watched earlier this year and didn't look at the numbers, I I don't think they were trying to get Danny Davis the ball enough. And if they were, it was just so poorly done that my brain didn't even process that it was happening and it just discarded it with all the other waste that happens over the course of a four-hour Badger game that's mostly commercials, which really had me tilted on Saturday. Like, at one point during the first quarter, I'm like, what the hell? Do I have to watch seven minutes of commercials every other play? That's what it felt like, but that's not the point, right? It, it got washed away. Either they're targeting Davis more now. I actually think they're just doing a better job of it. I think they've always targeted Davis, but now they've actually figured it out how and when to target Davis and when to best use him. And he's a star. Throw him the ball. Sometimes I think Graham Mertz gets a little bit too fixed on Ferguson. And I'm glad that he's given Davis some more love. Heck, I like DK and Pryor, too. They've made superstar wide receiver type plays. Can they beat Ohio State? I don't know. But to bounce off what David said a couple of minutes ago, I want to see them in the Big Ten title game because I want them to beat the breaks off of Nebraska and I want them to beat the breaks off of Minnesota because that's the Axe game. So missing out on the Big Ten title game would mean losing one or both of those games, and that I'm not down with. What happens in Indy in the Big Ten title game, I guess we'll... Cross that bridge. We'll carry that cross when it comes time. That's just the it's the, the cursed life of a Badger fan. It's great until it's too great, and you're getting stomped by OSU in prime time, and you just want it all to end. You want it to be over. I, I feel where you're coming from, David. And, again, I appreciate the call. 
and the perspective about depth because now without Ches Malusi, they don't have much. So they either have to find it or hope that 17-year-old Braylon Allen can sustain the rest of the year. And up until this point, he's shown he's up to the task, but I don't know. Once again, he's 17, so you never know. Let's take a break. We'll get an update from Mike Clemens. Continue the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers scored late to pull away with a 17-0 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. It's the first time Russell Wilson has been shut out since he took over at quarterback in Seattle. You know, we should have won that game. Our defense played great. Um, Guys battled throughout the whole game between two really good teams. I got to play better, and uh, that was on me. There were those two plays. That was really the game. Twice Wilson tried to throw touchdown passes. Both were intercepted. One by Green Bay's Adrian Amos. The first by defensive back Kevin King. But, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if uh, you know his his finger was a factor. I seen he he sailed a few balls. He missed, you know, he, he missed a few throws that he normally makes. You know, everybody's out there dealing with something. Packers head coach Matt Lafleur. I thought our defense really carried the night. Anytime that you hold. Uh, an opponent to zero points, especially one led by a quarterback of that caliber. I think that's a that's a pretty good night. On offense, Green Bay's Aaron Jones made some nice gains, then went down with a sprained MCL in his right knee. He'll undergo more exams. Running back A.J. Dillon took over, scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Felt really good, uh, you know, just that I had that trust uh, from the coaches and, you know, the guys in the huddle get a touchdown in those short yard situations. The Packers improved to 8-2 and two and head to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers asked about getting the win after being isolated for 10 days for testing positive for covid i felt great on the field but it's been a couple weeks since uh since i've been out there playing so uh it was uh it was fun to be back out there best packers coverage wisco sports show thank you mike clemens he'll join us tomorrow 5 30 Braylon Allen is 17. Did you hear? I don't remember what I was doing when I was 17. Neither does our friend Duckin Holman, but he does text in, and this is perfect. Thank you, Duck. He says, when I was 14, I audited my parents. And believe me, there were some discrepancies. Might be the greatest film of all time. The other guys. You know what movie I got talking about yesterday with some friends? And it's a movie that I haven't thought about in so long, but now I really want to watch. Wild Hogs with John Travolta and Tim Allen. I feel like that's the worst, best movie ever. I want to watch it. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I was thinking about Wild Hogs yesterday. I really want to watch that. Does anyone know what it's on? I want to look that up when we get an update from Zach Heilprin here in about four minutes. A health update. Yesterday, Aaron Jones left the game with a knee injury, and then during Twitter and during the broadcast, Tracy Wolfson's like, Aaron Jones came out of the tent in tears, went to talk to his family, and we're like, oh boy, he's done for the year. Well, it sounds like it's just an MCL sprain. And because of my extensive medical knowledge, I know that that's typically only a one to two week injury, and it depends how the rehab goes. Uh, That take was verified by, uh, I have no clue how long an MCL sprain takes, but Schefter reported this morning one to two weeks. So I would guess, given that most NFL teams are pretty cautious and pretty careful about how they hold guys out, um... Maybe they sit him the next two weeks. They got the Vikings and then the Rams and then the bye week. So they could really give him like a month off. 
and maybe be fresh and totally good when he comes back. I don't think they're panicking over a game against the Vikings, who won yesterday, but they're just, there's so many games behind. The Packers' schedule from here on out is not a murderer's row. Their remaining strength of schedule is 26th in the NFL. So they also do have the inside track. The one seed is very much a priority now. And yesterday, as the noon slate was wrapping up, it became much more of a priority because the Cardinals lost and the Buccaneers lost. And at that point, I'm looking around thinking, okay, well, there's no messing around. I know Aaron Rodgers had COVID, and I know that their offense probably isn't humming right now, and I know that there's injuries, yes, but we got to win this effing game. And at halftime, when they were up, whatever, three to nothing, I'm like, I swear to God, if they lose this game, I think I might actually pop a gasket. Because with Tom Brady losing and with the Cardinals losing, now the Rams play tonight, so we'll see what happens there. That was a game you had to have. And it's nuts. There's no team in the NFL now that has fewer than two losses. So it's very packed at the top of the NFC, but the Packers' schedule from here on out is not miserable. It's not terrible. And their division has a big part of that, right? They got another game against the Bears and a rookie quarterback there. And Jared Goff, who might... Maybe I was too nice to Jared Goff at the beginning of the season because he is... I, I, that was painful to watch yesterday. That was really, really tough. Steelers and Lions, but that game was that was brutal, and it ended, obviously, in a tie. So the Packers have games against the Bears, the Lions. They have two against the Vikings. I could absolutely see the Vikings getting one of those games, especially at U.S. Bank, because now fans are back. That's, that's no joke to go into U.S. Bank and try to win a game, a divisional game. But the Packers have an easy remaining schedule. It's 26th in the NFL compared to all the other teams. They have a good track at the one seed. So we'll see how they prioritize the health of players like Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, who it sounds like just extended his elbow, hyperextended his elbow. So there's no damage. I saw a tweet today that he's going to try to play through it and play this week. And I'm like, well, no, dude, don't play through it. It's week 10, week 11. No, 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 no. You don't need to play through it. Give it the time it needs. But maybe it's not a recovery thing. Maybe it's just a pain management thing. I don't know. But what appeared to be two catastrophic injuries Looks like the Packers escaped, and they'll be getting both of those players back sooner rather than later. Now we see with Jair and Zadarius and obviously David Bakhtiari, if he could come back in Minnesota, my God, that would be huge. Everson Griffin playing like a beast, even though that team is without Daniel Hunter, especially on the road. Tough environment. It'd be huge to get him back. But the Packers, health-wise, doing a little bit better today than maybe we thought at this time yesterday as the game was wrapping up. Let's take a break. We'll get an update from Zach Heilprin, and we'll reset the show, talk more about the Packers coming up next. I feel like it's it's a new beginning. I feel like it's a new start, and I feel like it's it's time to get going again, all over again. So, I think that uh, all the hard work, all the attention to detail, has been amazing. No chance to this time as Gary returns to the field and has a sack of Russell Wilson. Uh, with, with the amount of time, I mean, we literally probably 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day, you know, we're working on, on, on this hands, just trying to, to, to break records with this thing because, you know, it's pretty, it was a pretty severe injury. And going for it all is Wilson. End zone, interception. Amos comes away with it. He looked at me and said, get the job done, finish it off. You know, that's like my big brother on this team. You know, I love him to death. You know, for him to, you know, like I said, believe in me, that trust um, was great. And we got it done as a team. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
something Zach mentioned in that sports update, which, by the way, thank you for the injury update, Zach. That builds off of what we were just talking about. The synergy is just out of control on the show tonight. Something that I didn't think I heard him mention, uh, and I stepped out of the studio for a sec, so I apologize if I'm being repetitive. The Packers are doing another stock sale, which we knew, but the price has been set. $300. And thank you, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk NBC, chiming in on Twitter. And I, like, I needed to know this. Uh, I needed to be taught this lesson because I'm just a simpleton from Wisconsin. I couldn't possibly wrap my mind around this. Thank you, Mike, for this tweet. He says, it's not really stock. It doesn't appreciate in value. It can't be sold. But if a fan wants to contribute to the cause in exchange for a piece of paper suitable for framing along with an official license to say we, so be it. Oh, so it does. it's not stock? So, wait, we're not real owners if we buy stock? Oh, Thank you, Mike. Well, I was I was ready to dump $300, but if that's the case, never mind. Thank you for that wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. I will not be buying any Packers stock uh, because I need to retain my journalistic integrity. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's $300. I'm immensely wealthy. I could afford as much stock as I want. It's, not, it's nothing to do with the money. I still got a Christmas shop, and I feel like something's about ready to go wrong with my car. It's been a while. So maybe the Packers stock sale will have to wait until next time. But then again, if it doesn't appreciate in value, you know, what's the point? I'll just wait for the next sale. Thank you, Mike, for that finance lesson. Hero, in my opinion. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you for hanging out today. We have a Packers win to talk about and an interesting one because it's not Rodgers going scorched earth and playing amazing. It's everybody else that we're talking about. And the Badgers offense looked outstanding and they didn't get caught in some weird trap game against Northwestern. Not saying I expected it, but Badgers fans, you know, we've seen enough of these things. It's not just a given you're going to beat up on Northwestern. Well, they did yesterday or on uh, Saturday. So that's what we're talking about. Obviously, you're more than welcome to join. We have no guests tonight. None. Nothing but time and space for you to jump in and be a part of the show, which I think moving forward is how we're going to do Mondays. Just react to games, as much time and space for callers interaction and and, uh, come together as a friend group. As a community, I think of this as like uh, we're sitting at a bar talking sports, right? No radio host has ever said that before about about their show. That's purely original. Okay. Big Joe. Big Joe, what's up, man? How was your weekend? Grant Bills, how are we living, kid? Oh, I'm living fantastic. My back hurts today, but other than that, I'm as happy as a kid. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. I hope you feel better. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and then one... And one of my buddies, yeah, he's battling a cold, so I hope he's feeling better, so... Yeah, we're all going through it right now. Everybody's got, got something going on case of the something absolutely yeah i got yeah. my booster shot coming up this weekend grant so yeah definitely godspeed absolutely hey it's national acts of kindness week this week so hopefully you do something nice for somebody i did a couple nice things already so i wouldn't let my uh it's one of my coworkers, but he's one of my good friends and he's one of my neighbors too i wouldn't let his dog out because he is still at work and his wife's out of town because she's been battling with a family emergency so i've been helping them out as much as i can so well, Godspeed to you, Big Joe. I just looked it up. National Acts of Kindness Day is February 17th, and the week is this week. That seems, I don't know who's in charge of these things, um, but I'm glad we get one now and one in a couple of months. I'm sure you're doing Acts of Kindness regardless. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Grant, I'll, I'll end with some, yeah, I'll go with some sports, and I'll end again with a funny thing. Um, all right, all right. Sports-wise, yeah, great, great weekend, though, my man. I mean, the football team, I called that with Evo. I told them they were going to win 35-7, to so... Very happy for the Badgers. We love that. Um, hopefully the Bucks can start getting it going here soon. I know on Wednesday we got the Lakers coming into town, and I know it's a marquee game. One of my coworkers was saying tickets that he found on, like, StubHub are going for, like, $200 a pop, which that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, 
it's a marquee game, and you're going to have Giannis against LeBron and Anthony Davis. So, I mean, Middleton's back. What on are you going to do? Yeah. He's never he's never been to a Bucks game, so I hope he gets there. And he's of Indian descent, and yeah, he's such a nice guy. Ash is so cool. I hope he gets down to Milwaukee to the new yeah. arena because he wants to check out a Bucks team really bad. Yeah. And then yeah, the Packers yesterday just pure domination, my friend. Pure domination. That was so awesome. Yeah, it was great. Well, I mean, the offense could have been better, but that defense, and that's why I'm excited. That's what we're going to talk about next, Big Joe, is we got to get back into this defense. I haven't seen a Packers right. defense um, play like Grant, this in I'm a while. Give one last, Please do. Right, I'll give one last sports thing, too, and then I'll end on a funny note. Um, right. Grant, so my last sports thing I want to talk about, you know how much I like my minor league baseball. The Beloit Snappers are no more. They're the Sky Carp, but to me, they're always going to be the Snaps, baby. Snaps and six. I love then, the uh, name Grant, Sky Carp, by the way. I th- I thought of you when I saw that headline cool, today. I kind of like it. Oh, I love it. I'm starting to it's starting to grow on me a little bit. At first, I wasn't sure, but it's starting to grow on me. I'm starting to like it a little bit, Grant. Oh. Um, and then the last thing I want to end on that was a funny note. Did you happen to see People Magazine over the weekend? What they did? <sighs> no, I did not, Big Joe. What did they do? I tweeted you too. They named me sexiest man alive. I see. Here's the thing, Big Joe, and thank you for the call. I'm gonna let you go. We're gonna get into the Packers. Here's the thing. Now you tweeted this at me, Big Joe, but this is. I feel like I gotta explain this. You tweeted this at me, and I see it, but no one else does. No, no one else is seeing this right now. So as you bring it up on the show that everyone else is listening to, now they're not in on the joke. And inside jokes are great, but yes, I agree. You photoshopped your face onto. Thank you, Big Joe. 608-796-2558. You can tweet me. Follow me at Wisco Grant. Rodgers was bad yesterday. Russ was bad yesterday. We can agree on that. That's how we started the show back at 4 o'clock. That's okay. Because technically, both quarterbacks had an excuse. Rodgers missed a week and a half. He had COVID, which affects everyone a little bit differently. And I think we gloss over it when athletes get COVID. Now, I remember when Rudy Gobert got COVID. It was like, jeez. I remember going to class the next day. I had, I don't remember what class it was at UWL. And Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert had it. And the next day, I just, I felt so stressed. I was like, oh my God, I I hope they're okay. This is life-changing. And now, you know, different professional athlete gets it every week. But it affects all of these guys differently. So it's not just a given that he pops right back up and is fine. Rodgers was dealing with that yesterday. Russ was dealing with, I think, the worst finger injury ever known to man. Probably 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day, you know, we're working on, on, on his hands just trying to, to, to break records with this thing because, you know, it's a pre- it was a pretty severe injury. Pretty severe injury. Maybe the most severe finger injury ever. I heard they almost actually had to take his arm. That's how bad it was. Both quarterbacks were bad. They had excuses. The game was about the defense, the special teams, the coaching, and organizationally, the Packers just do so many good things outside of Aaron Rodgers. The Seahawks really don't do anything well outside of Russell Wilson. That was the point yesterday. Dave and Monona is on the phone. Dave, what's going on? How are you? Sierra told Russell, you to get that finger fixed or you're, or you're out of the marriage, buddy. Yeah. You think she cracks the whip <laughs> on him at home? You think she's the head of that family? I turned the radio on. Did I hear you say you hurt your back sitting on a bar stool of popcorn? And by God, the popcorn is still around after all these years. That was one of my favorite hangouts in 1979. Thank God that guy kept the name of popcorn. It's yeah. still around. Wow. Well, it's an institution. But you hurt your back sitting on a bar no, stool? No, I didn't hurt it sitting on a bar stool. So you need to listen more closely. The popcorn is still around. They redid it. It's really nice. And now I like it even more knowing that it was one of your spots. Next time I go in there, I'll take a moment to think of you. But, no, <laughs> we, my band was playing a gig, and uh, I just I'm my back hurts. I didn't mean for this to become a thing, but one person brought it up. 
Then I had to explain it. I'm, I'm fine. It was just a funny anecdote about the weekend. No. Even worse, now you're playing a gig. You're still sitting in a chair. Uh, that, that's kind of why we call you short pants. No, I, I was mean, standing. I was standing. Where did you get chair. the sitting on the stool? I was standing on a stage, Dave. <laughs> that's even worse. Oh, my you're... God. <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh, <laughs> but oh, my God. You, you, okay, I Oh, help us, Lauren. 22 years old, he gets hurt staying on the stage, but oh that's what God. you get for, well, anyway, we, we won't go over there. But anyway, a couple comments. Please. First of all, act of kindness, who who cares? Act of kindness, <laughs> nobody cares. Be, be mean to everybody, because nobody cares about kindness. If you do, you're just going to get screwed in the end. And for, as far as all you people buying Packer stock, <laughs> yeah, Mark Murphy's the same guy, I think, I think he's in charge of that, um, what, what's that commercial you say? Um, name a you know, name a star, buy a star after you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Something that yeah, I, I, you know I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, people, people who spend three hundred dollars on a, a stock to be well. Here, I, I, you know, call me. I, you can buy a star, and, and I'll name a star for you. <laughs> why don't Why don't you but, print yeah, hey, up? You can print up some uh, some fake stock and sell it out of your home. You can make a little money doing that. No, oh, my God. But I, but I got a question for you, right? For any, any, any of the lower the lower form of life out there that listen to the show, does anybody know what's going on with Demarius Smith and uh, and um, Jair? I mean, are they going to come back? I mean, does anybody know? Because boy, if they come back to this team at playoff time, there is in my mind there is no way even Rodgers who's one in five and Matt Lafleur who stinks in playoffs. I don't even think they could screw this up with that defense as good as they're playing right now. If you get those two players back added to this defense, and if you have to play at home, you know, with that defense, yeah. Like I said, I don't even, I don't even think Murphy. I mean, I mean, LaFleur, who's a horrible playoff coach, and Rodgers can mess that up. Wouldn't that be excitement to play in January? The fans are there. You got oh. Smith back. You got Alexander back. Will Snow. Oh, yeah. Maybe you, you could ask somebody. Um, and finally, as far as far as was the Badger football team, mm-hmm. here's the one thing people ask yourself: What did Michigan, Penn State, and Notre Dame all do to, to Grandma? They rushed him up the middle, and they didn't drop, rush three and drop eight. Why these teams? I see here. I'm just going. Why these teams rush three or four and drop seven or eight? Even Grant on a stage who, who hurts his back by playing the xylophone. Oh my God! Could complete a pass. I'm just amazed how they let him stand back there. But anyway, my friend, you know, hey, get, get some ice, get some leave. I mean, I'm sure handling those maracas, that's a lot of stress with the old body. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Dave. I appreciate your concern. That means the world to me. What This wasn't supposed to be a thing. I, I shared a funny anecdote about my weekend, and now I'm getting – how is standing worse than sitting on a bar stool? You know what? I don't care. I can spend any more time on it. Thank you for the call, Dave. Thank you, as always, for the – content as far as the Darius Smith goes Lafleur was asked about it today quote we're certainly hopeful we know that nothing's guaranteed there he just he's not adding much nothing specific sounds like it's going to be a while if he's able to return I agree with you if the Packers can get back Jair or Zedarius hell if they get back both this defense is tremendous and it goes back I mean think of the Packers defense in the context of yesterday's game right Aaron Rodgers plays poorly this is one of the worst red zone interceptions I think I've ever seen him throw. And after the game, he's like, I was trying to throw it out of the back of the end zone. I'm like, mm, I don't know, whatever. I, I don't care. It, what's done is done, right? Are you going to invest or not? Quote stepbrothers. Rodgers is bad. Wilson was bad. And yet the Packers were able to win 
Although it was close for a while, it never really felt close in the second half. The Packers won 17 to nothing because the Packers, outside of their quarterback, do so many good things. The Seahawks do not at all. They're trading all of their draft picks away for players like Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams and a tight end named Steven Sullivan, who I didn't even know who was today. They're not on the team. Traded a fifth for Gabe Jackson, right? They have no draft capital. The draft picks that they have, they're spending on running backs like Rashawn Penny in the first round, and they're not helping out. Chris Carson's their best running back, and he was a seventh-round pick, and he's not even healthy. Pete Carroll, game management decisions. It's poor. He punts too much and doesn't trust his quarterback, and I know his quarterback didn't have it yesterday, but they were 3-5. and five. They didn't have time to punt at midfield and hope that they would win yesterday's game because now they're 3-6 and six and just about out of it in the NFC. And I understand, whoa, the bottom of the NFC is not great. Okay, sure, but they're 3-6. and six. Did you see anything yesterday from Seattle that would indicate that they're going to be able to go on a run and get back into it? I didn't. Seattle, outside of Russell Wilson, just doesn't do anything well. And the Packers do. This defense has now pitched six straight shutout quarters. In the last three weeks, they looked or they made Kyler Murray look really uncomfortable. And they made Patrick Mahomes look really uncomfortable. And I know Mahomes hasn't played well, but what did he do to the Raiders' defense last night? And I don't think the Chiefs are back, and I don't think everything is all right with the world, but last night they were able to get it together. They didn't get it together against the Packers, despite a million chances, because the Packers were bad on special teams, bad on offense. Jordan Love wasn't great. Yesterday, Russell Wilson, I understand he had a bad finger, and it almost killed him. Like, it was life-threatening finger injury, and he rehabbed for 20 hours a day. But they were able to keep him uncomfortable, keep him off balance. And Tyler Lockett, who's very good, and DK Metcalf, who's very good, handled by Kevin King and handled by Eric Stokes, man. Eric Stokes had a rep yesterday down the far sideline covering Lockett into the end zone, and it was beautiful. Beautiful form, turned and ran, had the speed to stay with him, didn't grab, didn't get lost, didn't watch the receiver, didn't watch the ball, just like perfect, a perfect rep. And this defense played great yesterday. In the last three weeks, they've played great against really good quarterbacks. And earlier this year, they did it against Heineke and Fields, who's a rookie. I think he's great, but he's a rookie, right? You can't expect too much from a rookie quarterback. And then Ben Worthlessberger, who's not a threat to throw it more than four or five yards down the field. Now the last couple of weeks, they've done it against good quarterbacks, despite suffering injuries every step of the way. So the running game, A.J. Dillon able to carry the load without Aaron Rodgers playing well. The defense able to carry the load. Yes, it helps that they were at home, too. I was listening to Dan Patrick this morning. He had Peter King on. And normally, I I don't love Peter King. I'm not the biggest Peter King fan. I just, I don't know, he's kind of sleepy. But then again, Dan Patrick's like a good type of sleepy, right? He doesn't have hot takes. He's not pushing people's buttons. He's just talking calmly about sports. And I think that's the appeal to Dan Patrick and a little bit of the appeal to Peter King. And he said the Packers have built a team and set up an offense with LeFleur and Hackett that doesn't need Aaron Rodgers to be superhuman. Seattle obviously needs Russ to be superhuman. And that's an indictment on their coach, on their organization, on their scheme, their OC, Shane Waldron. They just didn't really do a whole lot of good things yesterday. And I don't know how that's going to end. I said last year that the Pete Carroll era is coming to an end quickly, very similarly to the way that the McCarthy era came to an end. That seems to be the way they're heading. We'll see how Seattle handles it. But yesterday, forget the quarterbacks. It wasn't about the quarterbacks. Yesterday showed that the Packers organizationally are on a different level than Seattle or some of these other NFC teams that are beholden to really high-level quarterback play. That's what I saw yesterday, and that's what I want to talk more about. Coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about A.J. Dillon. Maybe we'll hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of you. 608-796-2558. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talking text line 608-796-2558. In about 12, 15 minutes, somewhere in there. I do have some thoughts on some other NFL games. And it's not just like, oh, the Buccaneers lost to the football team. Isn't that interesting? Here's why. Well, no, I... Yesterday during the noon slate, I was looking around at some of the scores and some of these teams, and I'm like, man, there's something left to be desired by some of these squads. Like, this team should be better, and this team should be better, and this team should be better. Why aren't they? I want to talk about that because I think the NFL is awesome, and I love watching it, but this year, at least over the last month, I'm looking around and think some of these teams are really underperforming, and it's a bummer. If you play fantasy football, maybe you get it because... What's a given right now in fantasy? Everybody's hurt or everybody's not doing anything. It's tough. It's a war in fantasy football right now, unless you own Cooper Cup. Then I guess you're probably doing fine. Leaving a little bit of desired, some of these teams and some of these players. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. And whatever you want to talk about as well, related to the Packers or the Badgers or whatever. I said we talked about a shipwreck last week, so really open to anything. Hit me up on the talking text line. Or on Twitter. A couple of sound bites I saved after last night's game. I've gotten in this good groove of watching the pressers after the game and seeing what the coaches and, and whatever players speak to the media, seeing what they have to say. I, I like doing that because then when I come in the next day and I start prepping the show and I want to make this point or talk about this, I was like, oh yeah, I remember AJ Dillon actually said something about this. I'm going to go find that clip and I'm going to add it in and I'm going to use it. I did that last night. The Aaron Rodgers presser left a little bit to be desired. I thought it was, I got a little uncomfortable watching. Um, First, because he's on Zoom now, which I can't imagine he's thrilled about. And then like two questions in, someone's, I think it was MK Burgess, tried to ask a question, or maybe it was Ryan Wood, and Zoom wasn't working. And I'm like, oh boy, this is ironic. This is funny. Aaron Rodgers, who just wanted to do normal press conferences for the whole year. Now he's got to do Zoom. And of course, Zoom isn't working because God is just rich with irony in that way. Aaron Rodgers' presser was a little weird. I thought... The emphasis of the presser became about the last two weeks where he was at home. And he talked endlessly about, oh, so many people reached out and friends and teammates from, you know, the team, but also my neighborhood and the country and around the world. People were reaching out. It meant the world to me. And I'm like, okay, what is what is this? I don't not that that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad that Rogers had people that cared about him and reached out. And that's great. Because when you're sick and you got no one around, that's a terrible feeling. But also, I don't really care. I don't care. I don't care that someone called you from Europe to ask you how you're doing with COVID. I guess I don't really care. And then there were some other reporters that asked him, like, did you expect to face criticism? Do you, did you expect to be booed? And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't really care. I understand why they have to ask those questions. I don't really care. It doesn't really pertain to this show. So instead, we're going to hear a little bit from AJ Dillon, starting with a question that he was asked about, what did he, no, I got I to gotta pull the window back up. I'm sorry. I have these, I have the notes written down. I got to get in front of me. AJ Dillon started asking about the team's confidence in the cultures. We were just talking about the organization minus Aaron Rodgers because both quarterbacks played poorly yesterday. And yet the Packers, even though it was ugly, were able to win rather easily because the Packers organization has their ducks in a row around their quarterback where Seattle, they're kind of relying on Russell Wilson to be Superman. And AJ Dillon speaks to the team culture and the confidence, even outside of Aaron Rodgers, all the other parts of the team that made that win possible yesterday. We have a team where you can look around the locker room, and I always talk about the leaders we have on this team, on both sides of the ball and special teams. Um, we got leaders and vets and even guys that haven't been here that long um, just kind of grinding. And, you know, if you look at our season, you know, we've had so many games where we're neck and neck or we're behind and we find a way or people are out and people have to step up and things like that. And I think that just kind of speaks to the team we have, the culture. 
Packers have dealt with a lot of injuries, especially defensively, and we've talked about this. Now, they've been without David Bakhtiari, and they were without basically all of their wide receivers at some point. But they've consistently been without their best edge rusher on the front end and their best secondary player on the back end, Jair Alexander and Zedaria Smith. That's a big deal. And yet, whoever has filled in in their stead, whether it be Kevin King, played great. Or Eric Stokes, except for missing a little bit of time last week, he's been great. He's had rookie moments, but by and large, it's been a really successful season for him. The safeties have been tremendous. Rasul Douglas has made plays. And up front, Rashawn Gary's been great. But Preston Smith has had a much better year this year. My point is that sometimes a team either has it or it doesn't. And yes, you want your best players on the field, but when a team has it and a defense or an offense has their identity and has their confidence, which is what I've said for about the last month about Joe Barry's defense. They just seem to have it figured out. It doesn't always matter who's playing, at least on a week-by-week basis against a depleted and banged up and not that great Seattle team or a Bears team that's young and starting over with a rookie quarterback. Those games, it might not matter. Now, if you need to get into the postseason, win four games in a row, well, that's a different conversation. But to get through the regular season, if your unit has it, Sometimes injuries aren't as influential as you might think, even injuries to a team's best players as the Packers have dealt with. Aaron Jones also talking about how their good defensive play makes things easier for everyone else. Offense, special teams, coaching, quarterbacks, running backs, it doesn't matter. A good defense, that's the tide that lifts all shit. They've been playing so well, and you know that as an offense, it's always great to get the ball back and have as many opportunities as you can to you know get a chance to score and put up points. But like I said, that kind of one of those things where you look across the locker room, no matter what what scenario it is, you trust those guys in defense to get the job done, vice versa. So it makes for a you know great team confidence. AJ Dillon had, well, AJ Dillon had a good game yesterday. I'm not I'm not questioning that statistically. I want to get it up here. A.J. Dillon had 21 carries for 66 yards. Now, his big play was that 50-yard catch on the screenplay. But running the ball, it was pretty run-of-the-mill. 20 carries, 70 yards. That's not great. His long was only 11 rushing. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter yesterday pushing back to the group that pushed back on the Packers when they drafted him. It's like, how could you take a running back in the second round? You have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. I thought Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire had a good take on this on Twitter. There are two separate conversations going on here. There's the conversation about whether or not A.J. Dillon is a really good running back. And I think he's showing us that he is. There's also a conversation to be had on whether taking a running back in the second round is a good idea or not. And those two conversations can they can coexist. They can go on at separate times. You can be right or wrong about both. They're not reliant on each other, right? You can argue that taking a running back in the second round isn't a great idea while also arguing that A.J. Dillon looks like a really good back, right? A.J. Dillon creating big dynamic plays is what's selling me. If you take a running back in the second round, they better be able to hit home runs, okay? And that was my question with A.J. Dillon last year. Can he hit home runs? Yeah, I get he's big and he's physical. Can he hit home runs? Can he create huge plays that can swing the momentum of ball games? And yesterday we saw that he can That, to me, is the final piece of the puzzle. And use a second-round pick on him. I'd prefer not a first, but a second-round, third-round pick. Whatever. If you're getting an impactful player that can swing ball games with big, dynamic splash plays, I'll take it. Because we've seen the other end of the spectrum. Second-round picks aren't a given. Josh Jones, Josh Jackson. Really, it's just anyone named Josh in the second round. It hasn't gone well. There are no givens even in the first round. So if you can find a guy that makes dynamic, splash, game-changing plays, and A.J. Dillon yesterday showed that he can be that guy, I'll take it. Maybe it's not sound process. Maybe it's not perfect process. 
But if you can get a player like that, I'm okay with it. Aaron Rodgers talking about A.J. Dillon. Very proud of him. He's a great kid. Uh, he works really hard. He's improved in all the areas that he needed to to become a more complete back. And smart kid, tough. I mean, he ran through unblocked guys on both of his touchdown runs. So not much more you can say than that. He's just a, he's a guy who's become very, very reliable. Reliable. And we always knew that. Short, short yardage back, physical guy, but the splash plays. That's what I want. And we got those yesterday. He's fast. He's just tweaking that technique. He talked about getting beneath his pads. He'll always fall forward for a couple of yards. And on short yardage situations, they didn't really do a great job blocking up front yesterday. Seattle was getting the best of the Packers aligned at times. And A.J. Dillon was able to make chicken salad out of them. Well, yeah, you know the expression. Mitch in Madison is on the phone. 608-796-2558. What's up, Mitch? What's going on, boss man? Oh, nothing much. I just, yeah. Yeah, nothing much. A.J. Dillon, the Packers <laughs> defense. I didn't think we'd be talking about the defense at this point in the season, but we are, and that's fun. Yes, sir. Uh, I love the uh, A.J. Dillon pick. I loved it when it happened, to be honest. Um, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, uh, you know, Edgar Bennett, Dorsey Levins, uh, and with uh, A.J. Dillon, he's, you know, replacing Jamal Williams, and I'm assuming that his contract is less than what? Jamal Williams was, yep. and have fun trying to tackle that man the colder it gets. Yeah, um, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. He's just going to be a wrecking ball, and it, you know, if we played in a dome, maybe you don't need somebody like that, but uh, you certainly do when it's snowing and you're trying to uh, win a grinded out game. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, you know, he's not, at, he can be flashy. Um, he's not necessarily as flashy as you might want, but I, I think he's going to be just fine, especially down the stretch run in the cold. Yeah. He's fun to watch, too. It's fun, isn't it? It's fun to have a running back. I'm, you know, to, to think of the years past when we had Ty Montgomery playing running back or Fat Eddie Lacy. It's fun to have backs that are a problem where opposing fans are like, oh, God, we got to deal with this guy. Like how we felt when Adrian Peterson carved up the Packers for years. Every time the Packers played the Vikings, be like, oh, God, I don't want to deal with this guy. It's fun to have running backs that make opposing fans feel that way. Well, and that you can lean on him because, mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron Jones, I mean, we love Aaron Jones, but he does get hurt. And that's why you got to, you know, you got to kind of check his carries with A.J. Dillon. I mean, look at him in college. Look at his tape in college. They just handed him the ball. And you can do that now, too, because yeah. of how he runs and how big he is. So, yeah. What's the buzz? Speaking of running backs, because you're in Madison, what's the buzz about Braylon Allen? What's the word on the street? Uh, I think he just makes all of us look pathetic because we look back at our own lives and we're like, yeah, when we were 17, we were getting C's in, in chemistry and, you know, maybe making minimum wage, making pizzas and stuff. And this guy's just a monster. Here's a question for you. Yeah. If let's say hypothetical, let's say he balls out next year, like severely balls out. And, you know, he's obviously going to be a high lotto pick. We don't want this to happen, but who's to say, uh, or why wouldn't he sit out after that? I know, you know, sports talk radio, so let's talk, you know, two, yeah. three years into the future. Why not? Um, you know, because you, you have to be three years out to go into the NFL. What would be his benefit, especially as a running back, getting a lot of carries to play uh, multiple years if he balls out next year? Wow. Well, you know I love dumb 
sports talk things. That's why we're here, right? Anytime we have a ridiculous conversation and people complain about it, it's like, well, why are we here for two hours every day if we're not also going to have the ridiculous conversations? I need to think about this for a sec. And we got to take a break, but I do want to talk more about this, more about running backs. Mitch, it's good to hear from you, and I hope Madison as well. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. That's Mitch and Madison. 608-796-2558. Let's take a break. Keep talking about A.J. Dillon and why a running game is important. We'll keep talking about Braylon Allen. And maybe maybe we talk about Jonathan Taylor a little bit. Maybe that's a good reference point. I also have a couple games, a couple other teams that I want to talk to. If we don't get to it today, it's fine. Uh, but a couple of other games that had me thinking yesterday. And if we get there, we get there. Let's keep the show going. Take a five-minute break. We'll be right back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills the talk and text line 608-796-2558 twitter at wisco grant let's talk more about running the ball because mitch and madison want to talk about aj Dillon. aj Dillon was a joy to watch yesterday it was fun even if he didn't have an outstanding day running the ball he had 20 carries for 70 yards but the big screenplay and a couple big moments i think really defined his day and defined the packers offense even if the, the big picture the whole picture and all the stats weren't anything otherworldly I think I now know after talking to Mitch and Madison after taking five minutes to think about this I think I best know how to talk about AJ Dillon and why he's important to this Packers team especially now with Aaron Jones hurt that's reason number one why he's important because they need another running back and he's that guy but I think running the football 2021-2022 season we've seen this be important to other teams uh and there's a couple of things that now I want to say about it you can call me text me like I said you can follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant too. Mitch and Madison wants to talk about AJ Dillon and why he's so important to this team and why he's fun to watch. First of all, I want to go back to last week. Was it before the Chiefs game? I think we talked about this. The importance of running the ball, and I played a clip from Brandon Staley, who's the head coach of the Chargers. Now, his Chargers got beat by the Vikings. They're dealing a little bit with some regression. They started so red hot, and Herbert started so well and have since come back down to earth a little bit which maybe we should have seen coming. Again, I don't bet these games, so I'm not looking for that. It's not on my radar. You know, I'll watch fun teams every week and just hope that they keep playing at a high level, and that has been the case with the Chargers. But Brandon Staley a couple weeks ago was asked about the importance of running the football, specifically about play action. I think the question he was asked was, do you need to be a good running team to play play action? And the answer is no. The numbers would tell you, and if you watch teams, you don't need to run the ball well to run play action. They're very good play action teams that don't run the ball. But what Brandon Staley said and what I keep going back to is that when you run the football, you force the defense to play blocks. You force them to tackle. You force them to play physical. And I don't think you need a back like A.J. Dillon to make a defense play physical, but it helps, right? We think of these big bruising backs, Jonathan Taylor, right? Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, although Dalvin Cook is wicked fast and can catch the ball too, but he'll also knock you on your can. Big physical backs and teams that want to run the ball to varying degrees. The Vikings want to run it more than some. The Packers, I think, run it a correct amount. Some teams run too much, some too little. The importance of running the ball is to force the defense to play physical, to get off blocks, to tackle, to be sound. Over the commercial break, I pulled up this piece by Ty Dunn, who's been on the show 
He's got his own thing. It's called Go Long. He subscribed to it, which I do. So anytime you write something good, I, w- I want to share it with you. His tie is awesome. He wrote a piece about how the NFL is getting back to its roots, how it's getting physical again. And I want to read you this excerpt because I think it, Im- what's the word I'm looking for? I think it matters to what we're talking about. This is what he wrote. Real football, the football you fell in love with, is making a quiet, glorious, undeniable comeback. Beneath the surface, the sport is actually in a really good place because it's returning to its physical roots. By no means are the owners or the commissioner to thank. Rather, this is pure Darwinism. To reach the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl in 2021, NFL teams must run the ball. Blocking and tackling matter. Still. Okay, that's a nice setup. Here's the part that matters. Why? Defenses have reacted to the transformative quarterback. To say they're shutting down the likes of Mahomes and Allen and Rodgers is a stretch, of course. Patrick Mahomes came back to life against the stinking Las Vegas Raiders last night. But this season, the good defenses are obsessed with eliminating the big play. They're propping two safeties deep. They're disguising coverage as pre-snap. They're featuring smaller, quicker lineups to deal with speed on offense. Teams are making a conscious effort on draft day to deal with spread offenses. Okay, so think about this. The last five or six years, who are the quarterbacks that have dominated the league? Maybe not the quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl, because I think boring can still win a Super Bowl. Jared Goff made a Super Bowl. Brady's made a bunch of Super Bowls. They're not the flashy playmaking, get outside the pocket and freelance quarterback. But week in and week out throughout the regular season, if you want to win games and push yourself in a position to get in the postseason, you need to deal with Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen. You need to deal with Justin Herbert, who gets outside the pocket. Justin Fields is probably going to be a guy that plays like that. And there's others I'm sure I'm forgetting. And defenses have adapted to that. We don't want huge bruising linebackers anymore. We want safeties. We want Derwin James. Hybrid players that can play back, they can play up. And then you have players like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. That archetype for a player didn't exist 20 years ago. There wasn't a player that could do safety, uh, linebacker, pass rusher, because it was more defined. To play linebacker, you had to be huge. You had to be Brian Urlacher. And because quarterbacks scramble and run and everyone's spaced out, now we have different players. Defenses are set up differently, and they're spread out. So what offenses are doing now is, okay, we're going to come at you with Jonathan Taylor. We're going to come at you with A.J. Dillon. We're going to pound at you with Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook. And even if teams aren't running two tight end sets and running the I formation with a fullback, they're still using physical, powerful, running the football type stuff to take advantage of these defenses that are soft by design. And I don't even think you need a physical running back to impose this on defenses, but head coaches are realizing, okay, if you're going to sit too high and you're going to spread it out and you're not even going to play true linebackers, you're going to play safeties and you're going to play slot corners and and that's how you're going to defend. Okay, well, we're going to beat you up. We're going to force you to play physical. We're going to force you to get off blocks and you need to tackle. And not a lot of defenses are up to the task right now because that's simply not what the league has required of defenses for the last 10 years, ever since Rodgers has become a thing and ever since he's been doing what he's doing. And Russell Wilson, another great example that I haven't referenced yet, right? So the ability to pound the ball. A.J. Dillon didn't have huge explosive runs. His longest carry yesterday was for eight or for 11 yards. Now, the screenplay was different, but that was in the passing game, right? It's about forcing the defense to play a certain way. And yesterday's Seahawks-Packers game is a great example. Aaron Rodgers didn't have it. Russell Wilson didn't have it. But the Packers using A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones to a degree before he got hurt too, they were able to put drives together. They were able to control the clock. They were able to put Seattle in a position 
that they had to play from behind, even if it was three points, six points, ten points, right? So the Packers, even without a good performance from their quarterback yesterday, they won on the margins. They dominated time of possession by 19 minutes. And a running game helps you do that. You don't need to run the ball to dominate the time of possession. But in the NFL in 2021, when defenses are designed to make you go underneath and to take away the big play, okay, we'll take five or six yards at a time. It might not be pretty, and our quarterback might not even play that well. But we're going to dominate time of possession. We're going to make you uncomfortable. We're going to keep your quarterback on the sideline, as we saw with um, Kyler Murray on Thursday night. I think that's the best example. That's a way to win in 2021 because defenses have shifted and chased what offense has been for the last 10 years, especially quarterback play, where now some of these defenses, they're not equipped to deal with the running game. And I think we saw that with the Packers in 2019, 2020, and I think hopefully they're coming around when they're giving up 280 on the ground in the NFC Championship game. And they're not physical, and they're getting pushed around because, to be quite honest, for the last 10 years, you could get pushed around as a defense, and you could be okay. I don't know that that's the case anymore because the Niners run the ball, and Shanahan's got his scheme that he loves so much, and McVay, too, to a degree. But then there are these unicorn running backs like Jonathan Taylor and A.J. Dillon and Dalvin Cook that can control the game if used properly. If they're leaned in too much, as I think the Vikings do with Cook sometimes, then it's almost a detriment. You saw yesterday. Finally, they remembered how good Justin Jefferson is, and they rode him to a victory. Running the ball is an important key to controlling parts of the game, and it's a part of the game that can be exploited right now because where the league has been in the last 10 years. I recommend you read this, this piece by Ty Dunn. If you can subscribe, it might be available for everyone. Let me check really quickly. At Go Long. I think this is a free article, so you might be able to read it. You can find Ty Dunn on Twitter at T-Y-D-U-N-N. The talking text line, 608-796-2558. Thank you, Duck, for bringing this up. Yep, Whitney Merciless is out for the year. Torn bicep. That sucks. That sucks. Ideally, by the end of the year, you have Preston Smith or Sean Gary, Zedarius Smith all healthy, and Dean Lowry, and Kenny Clark. And hopefully TJ Slayton gets a little bit better every week. And I don't know what Kingsley Kiki's deal is, but he's a depth piece. The problem is you want your depth healthy too. Um, so not to say when Jagger Alexander comes back that all of a sudden Rasul Douglas can get hurt and it's fine. Or Kevin King can get hurt and it's fine. You want all your guys healthy. That's the point of depth is having as many good options as possible. But yeah, Whitney Merciless. I'm sorry I didn't share that with you. Whitney Merciless is out for the year with a torn bicep. That sucks. And that's a bummer. Oh, No! Worse, it's even, or news, it's even worse. Manny Pena has signed a two-year deal, $8 million with the Atlanta Braves. Oh, that's sad. Probably going to join Orlando Arcia. That's a bummer. That stinks. Thank you for your service, Manny Pena. You were a big part of what has been so far, the golden age of Brewers baseball. Thank you for your service. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> 